This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. Hey guys, my name is Dave Merrill. For those of you return training peeps I haven't gotten to meet yet, I'd love to meet you. Um, and uh, yeah, I work over at um, the St. Louis region, and I'm the campus director, campus director of SIUE, or Coops. Um, so uh, I'm really, really glad to get to be back here with you guys. Um, kind of following up with Chase was just talking about about sharing your your experience on projects with other people. Um, we this past July we've been back at our home church in Edwardsville. And uh, it's been awesome. They've been praying for you guys every week. They talk about you every week in their, their prayer at the beginning of the service. And they keep asking, when are the students coming back? They're so excited to see you. And, uh, USIU people, they're excited to hear about your experience. But I will tell you, it is so difficult to explain to them what Summer Project is. There's, there's this category of summer camp that a lot of them think it is. And there's also this category of, like, missions trip. And it just doesn't seem to quite fit. You know, like, you can probably you feel that. And uh, time, it doesn't matter how many times I explain it, just don't get it. Um, and so there is a reality that what you have experienced really is unique. Um, and and not, not unique in the sense of like, ooh, your, your experience is better than everybody else's, but it's just different. It's a different experience. It's profound. And, um, and, and I think uh, if, if you're like me, uh, what you've experienced this summer has done something unique in you that, that you have a lot of more, more hope for the future of your life. Uh, maybe some excitement about what's coming ahead. Maybe hope that you're going to be a different person when you come back than you were when you came down here. Um, I hope that you have that hope. I hope that you're excited to be a different person and to go back into the world that you left um, a little bit differently. Before I keep going, um, one little, um, this this may not be the case anymore, at least when I was a student, um, when I was first time around Camp Salvage, there was a common myth or a common misconception that got floated around a lot. And I was a part of it, I definitely said it, because it's, mis it's misunderstood. And people would often say, project isn't real life, right? Which it's not, I get it. We don't all live in a hotel. My son called it the village. He said we have a village over at the hotel. It was awesome. It's very unique. It's awesome though, right? And although it's not the regular rhythm of life that we have trainings every night and things like that, the particular structure is not real life, so to speak, I sure hope the things that you grow in and experience this summer will be part of your real life the rest of your life, right? I sure hope you spend consistent time in the Word. I sure hope you spend consistent time with close brothers and sisters who know your life, that you can confess into, that you can encourage, that you can pray with, and tell the truth to each other. I sure hope you share your faith a whole lot. I sure hope you're a part of the church. You know, so what I'm getting at is, as I go on, as you think about going returning to campus, what you experienced this summer sure as heck was real life. Okay? Believe it. Uh, the routine's going to be different, but take what you got, and let's go back and do something with it. Let's be different. Um, so uh, for me, when I was a student, um, my first summer project I, I remember coming and sitting at this return training time and just being just like kind of busted up the scene, just excited to go back. Um, but I'm not, I, I, I still am not like the most kind of big picture kind of guy, but um, when I get excited about something, I, I usually want to follow through with it. And so I came to the end of return training and I, I was convinced that I wanted my life to be different. 
But I also knew there were things, realities, that I was going to enter back into that didn't really change while I was here at Project. I was changing. God was doing something in me. But I'm going to go back to the same house with my same routines, with my same family, to my same campus, with the same dorms, with the same people who probably didn't change that much if they don't know the Lord. And it's the same routine kind of left over. Maybe different classes, different places I've lived in, but a lot of the same stuff. And I remember thinking, if I'm going to actually be different when I go back, I, I need some help. Um, and I, I, you know, 20 year old Dave, uh, I was convinced of three things. I needed a clear vision, a structured plan, and a lot of help. And that's where we're going. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, or this morning, this afternoon. Um, so, uh, but a little, little bit of a glimpse into uh, Cosby, no show yet. I try to find a picture of me around the time when. Uh, I was coming back from my personal project and with some of the guys who were my closest friends. And the guys who, uh, one of the guys who, you go ahead and throw up there. This is the best I could find. This is really funny. So this is me in the front. Obviously we're being silly, but uh, this is kind of a glimpse of our friendship. So this is my friend Kyle. He uh, was a senior when I was a uh, sophomore. He, he discipled me while I was in college. And uh, the other two guys are Josh and Justin, two of the guys who were in our discipleship group. So me and Justin, the top two, or the middle two guys, we went to summer project. Nobody else from our campus had ever been to a campus outreach project, except for Paul Lee, but Kyle on the right. Um, but we came back and we were like, we, we want to do something. We want to see something change. We, we both were on, he was on the soccer team, I was on the basketball team. We wanted to have an impact, and we went back. And so when we were on project, we began to pray for that. We began to think about the people we were coming back to, and we began to make a plan, and, and have, we had a lot of vision. We had excitement about what could God do if he got a hold of some of our teammates, if he got a hold of some of these people on our campus. So we began praying that, and uh, uh, I knew that I was going to be rooming with two freshmen who were coming in to play on the basketball team the next year. And I knew there was another freshman team, and I just thought, like, I don't know a whole lot, but I know we're going to spend a bunch of time together playing basketball, and I want to share the gospel with these guys, and I'm praying these guys are coming to Christ. So we did. That, that was kind of my, the extent of my plan. Now, I show this picture because I want you to see Whatever you think of me now as CEO staff Dayton, don't think of what you may perceive me to be. Think of this goofball, okay? Because I promise you I did not have my life all figured out, all together, and sinless and perfect. I was currently in an uh, unhealthy relationship. I currently had sin habits that I was still just working through and trying to grow in and, and be free from in many ways. I, I came back to campus you know, in a lot of ways, uh, still trying to figure out spiritual disciplines. But I was convinced more of the gospel than I ever had been in my life. And that seemed to be enough for me. And so um, I say that because I think if you think about having a clear vision and a structured plan and a lot of help for you, um, don't, don't think you have to be some level. Again, I hope you don't view me as some kind of um, set apart in the sense of like different from you and your experience because I'm not. Um, and so uh, I'll get back to my story towards the end, but so we need a clear vision. Um, and so here, here's the definition of the vision that we're going to use. So this is a helpful vision uh, click, uh, definition. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. Vision is a preferred future. A vision always stands in contrast to the world as it is. This is um, a really great definition, and I, I would love to just sit and talk about it for a long time. Um, but take a picture of me too, whatever. Um, 
But this, this really helps us see the importance of having a clarity of what we want to see happen in our life and in the world. If we don't have a vision, then we're not really going to be disciplined when it comes to carrying it out. In a lot of ways, we've experienced this summer, those of you who've been on project this summer, um, it's, uh, it's a little bit of like, um, you know, you hear the term mountaintop experience. Um, I think it's, it's different than just like a, you were there for just a minute and you went back down. You stayed up here for two months. You were on the mountaintop for a couple months and you got to work through some of the, the uh, honeymoon phases. But my point is, you had a clarity about the world, Lord willing. You, you, saw, you saw things a little bit more clearly the way that God has intended for them to be in your life and in the world. And now you're kind of going back down into the valley, so to speak. And if you, you have to have a clarity of where you want to see, uh, where you want your life to go, where you want other people's lives to come with you, if you're going to have hope of navigating in the valley. We have to see up to zoom out and understand where are we actually going? What do I want to see happen? Um, and it's a clear mental picture. I, I, can, I can see what, it, what it's going to be like. I, I can hear the conversations I'm going to be around on my basketball team. Like, I can see us in our dorm room opening the Bibles together. Um, because we're investigating who Christ is. I, I, can, I can feel a mutual uh, fellowship around Christ because my, my friend, my teammate, just became a Christian, and we're talking about what it's like to follow Christ. You, you, I began to dream those things when I was my return train, my first one project, and I wanted to see those things actually happen. Um, this is so important, and, and you know, there's just a couple thoughts for our vision. So first one is, uh, you're God. Um, informs your identity. So um, in order for us to have an understanding of our vision, we have to understand who our God is, and he informs who we are. So uh, you used to be a slave to sin, but now, in Christ, you are a son or a daughter of the high king of heaven, a co-heir with Christ. That means you get to receive um, what Christ receives, which is crazy. Like, you you now uh, have... um, will receive all the blessings that only Christ would deserve. Um, you, you used to be part of this world, a citizen of this world, but now you're in exile, right? You, you don't belong here. You're, you're longing for your eternal home. You used to be um, you know, a, a representative of the world, but now you're an ambassador representing Christ. And lastly, you used to be kind of somebody who'd be sowing seeds of, of dissension and sin and brokenness in the world, but now you're called to be a fisher of men and women. And uh, so when you think about that, that is who you are. Our identity uh, is shaped by our God. Um, And so the second thing is our identity informs our pursuits. Our identity informs our pursuits. So because that's who we are, because God has said something distinctly different about us and our identity, that now shapes and informs what we do, what we're pursuing, what we're living for. It shapes uh, our life. And in particular, it shapes your semester. It shapes your school year. So as you think about going back to the campus, your identity should be shaping how you spend your hours on the campus, in the dorm, wherever. Um, so you know, as you think about this upcoming semester, what are you looking forward to? What are you nervous about? Uh, what are you wanting to accomplish? What do you want to be able to say about the semester or the school year in December or in May? Is it more than just school? Or is it more than just uh, the things you want to experience and uh, entertainment that you want to be a part of or relationships you want to be in, whatever? Is it more than that? 
Um, and I think it is. I think knowing you and hearing about what you guys have been experiencing, I think you guys do want more than that. You want something that is in line with your identity you've been growing and understanding. And uh, I've got a short video here from a guy that I think you all got to know this summer, uh, Matt Reagan, just a short clip here. So play that for me. Not a student first. I uh, interact with students all the time who are either parroting what their mom and dad told them or they're saying from their own personal conviction. I gotta remember I'm a student first. We're talking about their involvement in ministry or whatever, how they're spending time with God. Say, I gotta remember I'm a student first. And that's reasonable in one sense because it is their primary vocation right now. Somebody's paying bukus of money for you to go to school and you have four years where you're gonna give yourself to studying whatever you're gonna do. Okay, so I understand that, but I am 10,000 times a Christian. Before I'm a student, before I ever think student, I think Jesus, he is my identity. And now whatever I do, whether I eat or I drink or whatever I do, I do it all in the glory of God. And therefore, if I can zoom out enough, my four years as a student fit into this broader context of what my identity and purpose look like as a Christian. And I say, should I go to college? Why or why not? When I decide to go to college, because whatever I'm doing, whether I'm eating or drinking or studying, I'm doing it all the glory of God, I look at those four years and see how they fit into the broader vision that God is using me in His kingdom for, so that if I'm choosing a major, I'm choosing it with the identity of Christian in mind, and however that's going to play out. When I think about how I use my time during the day, and how I study, and how often I go to class, and how I engage other people, it's because I'm a Christian before it's because I'm a student. You are 10,000 times a Christian before you're a student. You're 10,000 times a Christian before you're a businessman or woman. You're 10,000 times a Christian before you're a nurse, before you're a teacher, before you're a CO staff member, before any other calling that God has in your life, which they are all real, important callings that God has placed in your life. But you're always a Christian first. So how does your Christian identity inform what you're going to be living your life for this, this fall. Um, and then the last thing is your pursuits um, shape your life. So your, your God shapes your identity. Your identity shapes your pursuits. And your pursuits are going to shape your life. I remember when I was a kid, I don't know, some like, I think it was like a Sunday school class that talked about garbage in, garbage out. Like the whole point, point of the thing is like what, what you put into yourself, what you are consuming, it is doing something to you and it's shaping how you're going to live. Um, I don't know if that's helpful. But my point is, what we invest ourselves into, that's that's the type of person you're going to be. Um, my friend on the right in that picture, Kyle Plumley, he always told me, his dad said, dad always told him, you want to know what kind of man you're going to be in five years, take a look at the books you're reading. Now, his dad's from a previous generation. We don't read quite as much as they did. The same principle applies. You want to know what kind of man or woman you're going to be in five years, take a look at what you're, you're taking in. What's influencing you? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you spending your time with? What messages, what, what gospels, true one, the true one or the false ones, are you putting in your mind and in your heart? Because that's the type of person you're going to be five years from now. So when you think about returning to the campus and how you invest your time in your life, um, we're going to talk about, yeah, we hope, we hope we reach the campus. We hope we see people come to Christ. But how you do that, and you doing that or not doing that, or being a part of what, what you want to see God do, on the campus 
is shaping you for the long haul. It's not just about building some, some ministry on the campus. It's about you being a part of what God's doing in the world and being a part of what God's doing in you for your life. Because I promise you, I could, you know, I could talk to any of the staff members here and even my friends that were in that picture. So what they did when they invested their lives in college for something beyond just their own selfish pursuits, it has made them awesome dads, awesome husbands, awesome pastors, awesome leaders in their company they work with. And uh, it's because they understood their identity and they let their identity inform their, their pursuits and it changed their life. So clear vision leads to a structured plan. I'm gonna go a little quicker here. So uh, a structured plan. So Hebrews 12, so purposeful action steps in light of the vision. That's all, it's not that important. Uh, Hebrews 12, one through two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which claims so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So as I think about this verse, I think about a structured plan. Um, it's important that uh, we don't just go back and say, oh, man, just, I just want to see people come to Christ. Or, man, I just want to grow. That's awesome. And you should say that. I hope you want that. Um, but it's kind of like uh, uh, the old adage that I've really enjoyed because I think it's so true in my life. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's like me when I tell Boston, yeah, I want to work out more. And he's like, yeah, sure, baby. Because <laughs> he knows I don't follow through with it because I didn't make a plan. A structured plan. And I think that's so true when it comes to, to this as well. Man, you experienced so much, and God did things in you this summer, and it was real. Believe that it's real. Don't believe the lie that what God was doing in you was just a phase. Don't believe that. Trust what the Lord was doing in you, and make a structured plan for when you're going back. And so, um, when you think about going back, uh, there, there's some realities that are some things that will potentially trip you up. The first thing is um, every weight. Um, Every weight. So it's interesting. He, he, uh, the writer of Hebrews makes a distinction between a weight and sin, which comes so closely. Every weight. Uh, in other words, um, there are might be things in your life that are not uh, necessarily uh, overtly sinful, but they could be weights that are keeping you from running the race with perseverance. So they could be good things that are getting in the, in the way of the great thing or the main thing. If that makes sense. Um, in other words, there are, you know, there are many good things that can distract us from our primary calling. 2 Timothy 2.4, I've always liked this verse, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. The, the civilian pursuits there aren't secular things. The civilian pursuits are anything that distracts us from the main calling that God has given to us in our life. To please him and, and to honor and glorify him. And so if, if we don't want to do we civilian pursuits, like there's tons of civilians, right? Like if you think about that, that, that analogy, like civilians aren't wrong. It's just they're not soldiers. <laughs> they, soldiers have a mission they're supposed to do, they're supposed to carry out. So, man, you, you fill in the blank. What is that thing for you? You know, what are your weights that slow you down? Is it video games? Is it entertainment? Is it social media overly focused on school? Maybe like that video. Maybe that, that's maybe geared towards you a little bit or unnecessary pursuit of money. What I mean by that is, do you have to work as many hours as, as you are? Again, you know you. This is, not, this is not a one size fits all thing. This is, what is your faithfulness to the Lord? What is it he's called you to? What are your weights? 
unhealthy relationships, you know yourself. And your closest friends know you too. And this is where I think you would ask for help. Uh, hey, uh, you know, what are, what are some of the, the weights you've seen in my life? What are the things that send that, you know, tend to weigh me down or distract me or derail me? Secondly is the sin which clings so closely. Um, in NIV, it says the sin which so easily entangles. I like that a little bit better. Um, it's just this picture of being entangled in sin. The other thing that's going to keep you from carrying out this vision that God has set in your life that he's called you to is sin. And so we're called to put sin to death. Um, but it's interesting. The main point of your life as a Christian isn't only to put sin to death. It's, I mean, I, I, in some ways I've kind of gone back and forth. But is that true? It's like sanctification be holy. Yes, it's like it's all kind of one. But there seems to be something more. that The greatest pursuit of your life is to pursue Christ. And sin stops you from doing that. And so, um, as you think about that, you know yourself. What is the sin that clings so closely? Uh, what do you have to do to put it to death? Yes, Christ sanctifies us, but he does it through the Spirit at work in you and through you choosing to kill it. Um, like uh, Pastor Peterson said today at uh, Surfside, um, C.J. Ryle, or J.C. Ryle quote that, uh, we don't drift towards holiness. That is so true. I think you all know that to be true. We don't automatically just kind of start getting holier in our Christian walk, but it, it's with intentionality of submitting ourselves to the Word of God and being around His people and growing in the gospel. Um, so what is your sin? Is, is it laziness? Is it lust? Is it lack of self-control? Is it simple relationship? Is it bitterness or unresolved conflict? You, you fall in the blank. You know those things that are there. Trust the Lord, ask the Lord for help and bring that to light with people so that you can put that sin to death. Um, third thing is uh, relative endurance from this passage. Um, let us run with endurance the race that is uh, before us, looking to Jesus, the Father, perfected our faith. So we're called to run with endurance. So what are you going to do? What's your plan? Where are you going? So we said the things that we got to say no to, but that's, that's kind of just like, that's the secondary thing, really. The primary thing is, where are we going? What are we doing back on the campus? Um, how are you going to pursue the Lord and help others know Him? Um, what are you going to read or study or memorize? You know, a lot of that we kind of already covered, um, at least for August. But um, how are you going to pray? What are you going to pray? Uh, which friends are you going to spend a lot of time with in order to influence them and be influenced by them? Who's your community going to be? What area or group of people on the campus are you going to place yourself in? What dorms? What what kind of affinity group? Or uh, what what areas of the campus do you want to see changed? Um, where has God already naturally gifted you and already placed you that you can have an influence right there? How do you see God changing that place? What if God got a hold of those people in those places? What if he actually brought them to Christ? What if that guy in the fraternity who thinks... There's no way he would ever follow Christ actually came to Christ. What if that girl that you, you know, have seen her life and it just looks nothing like she would ever have anything to do with Jesus? What if she got, got saved? Think about those things. What, what if you got to be a part of seeing those things happen? Therefore, the, what's the plan that you have to do in order to be a part of seeing that happen? Um, yes, the Lord does it, but he chooses to use people like you. Um, how are you going to build relationships with people? How will you share the gospel? Third thing, third big thing, I'll finish up here. You need a lot of help. That's what I was convinced of. I knew 
I cannot carry this out on my own. Um, in other words, I need a team and I need a coach. Uh, it's interesting, we talk about fishers and men. I don't know about you, but anytime I hear that Matthew 419, yeah, Matthew 419, um, Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I always kind of picture, you know, get your fishing rod, get your bait. And that just wasn't the way they fished. These were professional fishermen. They're not going to catch single fish. They're catching lots of fish. And they do it as a team. They got people on the net and they're trying to haul it in. You probably remember stories of, you know, the fish being, you know, so much that the boat's almost going to tip over because Jesus does a miracle. Anyway, the point there is this fisher of men thing, fisher of women thing is a team sport. Um, this walking with the Lord thing, it's a team sport as you learn this summer. So who's your team? Who's your community? Um, who are you going to be walking with? Um, you know, I know some of you in the Christian campuses, I know there's like tons of different like groups on campus and believers that you could be a part of. Um, but who are your people? Who are you going to be investing in your life with? Is it campus outreach? How are you going to be a part of it? What, what's, your, what's your place on the net, so to speak? Where are you going to be a part of that? Uh, and then secondly is uh, you need a coach. Um, coachless teams can be super talented and exciting and fun, um, but they usually fall short because they lack direction and discipline. Even the Boston Celtics with Bill Russell, who's a player coach, he had to do both. They could not have a coach. He had to be a good Crazy story. They actually had a team, no coach, which is their coach as a player. Fun fact. Anyways, um, they won championships. Um, but the point there is we need direction and help. Uh, you might be excited about something, but you've never done this before. And it's okay to open, uh, hold your, your, your plans, your structured plan that you have, hold it open-handedly to your coaches on your campus. It might be a staff member, or it might be the person who led you to Christ, who's been leading you in Bible studies, another student, another friend who can speak in and say, hey, like, hey, but what if we, what if we sharpen and go in this direction? Like, that's a great idea, but it's kind of vague. Like, where are you really gonna spend your time? Who do you really want to influence? You just need to be around them more. Um, you know, you can, the point there is we need people who know us and know uh, our potential and know who can help us um, and, and where we're going. So practically, that's why we're going to do campus time later tonight. So you can get some time with your campus and talk through and dream about what God could be doing on our campuses this fall and beyond. And so you know, to wrap this up, um, you know, in, in uh, the, the grand scheme of things, really what I'm getting into this is uh, the call for our lives when we turn back to campus is walk with God and be around lost people. If, if you could boil this down, I could have just said that one phrase. But the point there is how are you going to walk with the Lord and be around lost people that God might use you and that you're ready to be used for his glory? Um, so if you could fast forward my story, those four goofy guys, um, we prayed that we would have an impact on our team and our friends. Um, and uh, this last picture is a picture of me on my wedding day. Oh, man, that's a big bummer. It was a great picture, but I can't see any of them. Um, it's okay. Um, I was in the center there. It was my wedding day, and uh, my groomsmen um, were all guys that I went to college with. Um, the two freshmen who came into my room, I was roommates with uh, my sophomore year. Uh, they were on the basketball team and they both became Christians. Both of them actually went to seminary. One is now a high school basketball coach and teacher. Uh, the other is planting a multi-ethnic uh, church in uh, kind of a lower income area of Elkhart, Indiana. Um, another one of them uh, went on to, uh, Justin, my buddy that we walked together with, he, uh, he is a high, uh, 
leader in business now. Yeah, here's, here's Taylor. He came to Christ his uh, sophomore year. This is Tannen. He's the one who's planning the church. Um, this is Josh, my best man at my wedding, one of my best friends. He came to Christ actually after that first picture later in college. It was really through Kyle Plumley just sharing with us and leaving us. And, um, you know, then we got to see other guys who were in this picture. We saw over five guys come to Christ on our team and around our friend group while we were in college. And we didn't know what the heck we were doing. Like, we didn't have CO. I went to Grace College. There was no staff there. Like, and I'm not saying that to say, man, look what we did. We had big without staff. Like, that's not the point. The point is, if you're willing, the Lord can really use you. And he wants to. Like, God wants people to know him. He really wants his glory to be in every single heart and for people to be changed by this good news. And so, um, last last slide, just have some uh, questions. I think there's one more. Is there not one more? Okay. Just some reflection and discussion. Um, and this might be things, some things you're going to be covering in your campus time, but you can take a picture of this if you want. Um, we probably don't have a ton of time to cover this. We'll do some evaluation here. But, um, uh, yeah. Jot down these or take a picture of it. But um, I'm going to pray for us and then I'll have Lucas come back up. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, this time for return training uh, to get to be here together and just talk about what you have beyond this summer. Lord, you did some profound things in our hearts this summer. Um, how amazing is it, Lord, this, this, this gospel truth that happened thousands of years ago that you set into motion even more, even earlier than that, Lord, it's still changing people's lives today. Though we have not seen you, we love you. Um, that's only because your spirit is alive and at work. Lord, you are glorious and you are powerful. You are greater than any other pursuit we could ever choose in this life. And we need to be reminded of that over and over again. So Lord, would you help this room to remind each other of that? As we go back to our campus and pray that we would have an influence there, that more would fill this room. Lord, I pray that this room would be doubled next summer. That just sounds crazy, but Lord, I pray that you would increase um, people on this project. Not so we can say we had a big project, because you would get more glory. Lord, we want you to be glorified in more hearts in, in our campus campuses. So, Lord, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.